Rick Madison here with uh, Jeff Cox. Welcome, Jeff Cox. Thanks for having me, buddy. Um, so, oddly enough, I came across this photo album, and it was pictures of me back in the 20s. I'm 51 years young. Do you ever do you ever look back and go, man, I was devilishly handsome, and and uh, like does does aging does aging bother you? <laughs> Every day, hey. Every well, day, just... hair loss. That's my biggest one, I think, is hair loss. Is it? Yeah. yeah. That's the one I look in the mirror the most about. Yeah, the fat I can comes and goes, but the hair loss is the part that kills me. I don't have those. I, I look back, uh, I guess this would be pre-20s, but it happens in my 20s too. I look back and think, oh, that might be the worst fashion style I've ever yeah. witnessed ever. I can blame my mom for that. Like, I've got, there's a picture of me at about 10, and I've got a mullet, and I'm in, like, a knit. Like, it's a disaster. You know what I mean? I remember wearing a shirt that had a plaid pattern to it, and the tie matched the plaid pattern. And that was so forward. <laughs> that was, because I was really fashion forward. I was lapping myself. I didn't yeah. even know that. But it was, uh, and, and there was uh, a velvet, like a crushed velvet shirt I wore for every school dance. And my buddy finally said after the sixth time, he goes, so are you wearing that uh, off-white uh, cream-colored uh, crushed velvet? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, don't do that. Uh, there's actually a, a bit of a, a pool going on on how many before somebody. He goes, and you're my best bud. He says, I, I can't. I didn't know. I thought I was just slaying it, mm -hmm. like every single dance. I was Were like, you slaying it though? That is well, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Actually, I wasn't. No, but I was wondering how comfortable you are with with just because I. I mean, I'm looking through this photo album, going, wow. I, you know, I'm I'm looking at a different person, but you know how your mind thinks nothing has actually transpired. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, I agree. Um, it's concerning to me actually to look back. <laughs> Yeah. At my at my at my good years, you yeah. know that the, that they are behind me. I, but then go back. Like I think my twenties was dominated by uh, like coral necklaces and white sunglasses. Like right. and that was not unique to me. That was the that was the era. Any frosted tips uh, at all? Oh, yeah, or? I would have frosted tips for sure multiple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's it's Kelowna. Yeah. So if you're not doing frosted tips totally. and the white Oakleys, I mean, yeah. I don't know you where you're going. Fit in at flashbacks, right? So. Although I remember, I, I remember a buddy wearing sunglasses into the bar one night, and some dude going, "Hey, is it bright in here?" You know, and he looked like it, and that was it. Never wore. I just last time you ever had them on. So, and there's a there's something to be said for. Uh, I mean, back in the day, did you you grew up here? Yeah, yeah. So Jeff, we are. You, you've lived in Kelowna most of your life. I came back here. Well, to here '94, I guess it was. What have you seen, and, and uh, I, I know we got a, a, a rapid growth that's happening, but are we, are we doing okay, or are, is there some things that you would like to tweak going forward? Well, I think it's always going to need tweaking. Um, my time not in Kelowna spent in Calgary, uh, so, and I was there last week um, and had the same thought when I was there um, that I usually have when I get there, and, and that we did not plan the city well. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about the highway, I, I'm probably the most frustrating is that the main corridor goes down, you know, the, the middle of the city, which makes no sense. Right. Um, when you go to places that plan ring roads and, and uh, you know, have some forward thinking. Now they're not, uh, it's easy to have urban sprawl when you're not bound by mountains on, on multiple sides of you and lakes and all the things that come with it. So that's easier said than done. 
But if you look at Kamloops as an example that was, again, well-planned, mostly because of a, a minister that was that was there in the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s, you know, that was that was that was that was from from that city, and they really thought that was the growth. I, I think that's probably our biggest challenge: is how do we get ourselves unstuck? Um, I don't have any issues with what they're doing in the city. Um, I think we have to go up. Um, that's part of it. I, I enjoy the fact that there there's urban density drives positives too. It drives you know, more restaurants, more, more, more coffee shops, more, um, places to shop. It drives longer hours because, um, there's, there's people out doing it. It it creates, um, a comfort level. Listen, if you're walking the streets at 11 o'clock at night, it's busy. Um, you know, you're going to feel more comfortable than, than, than if there's nobody around. Actually, that's true. When I was in New York city walking around and, and, uh, you know, and I would dare to say, busier than Las Vegas at the same time of night where it's just, yeah, you feel absolutely comfortable. Certain parts of the city you wouldn't, but I, I'm talking about Times Square. Yeah, but, yeah. Man, man, any part in lower Manhattan. I agree, and I've been there and, and done that. And I, But I will say this, I rode my bike downtown on the weekend and felt, I, I wouldn't say I felt uncomfortable. I'm, a, I'm not a small, small man, so, and I, and I, you know, get my dog with me and some other stuff. But, I, you know, it was at a... We there are some things that need to clean up the addiction mm-hmm. challenges in the city, which um, are just continuing to compound day in and day out, is getting very frustrating. Like mm-hmm. when you can't access the water station um, mm-hmm. down right right across from the yacht club where the where the rain like literally I could not get to the water station due to the amount of homeless that were blocking the washroom using the area so they had taken it over for i would assume drug use at that point that's getting fatiguing i think for most mm-hmm. people um you know i couldn't imagine uh you know alone as a female down there at certain times um kids i'm not sure i'm totally comfortable uh you know it's just you're that's what's changed i think it, but i don't think it's unique to Kelowna. um but for the record it it, it is unique to north america we're not that like this is an an opioid addiction problem that we're having in the U.S. and Canada mm-hmm. more than anywhere else. And and going forward, I mean, I know the the mayors met to to try and I guess uh, build some some ideas around prolific offenders, and and that could be part of it too. Is that you have, you know, and and I've heard stats anywhere between ten percent, fifteen percent of the homeless population are those preying upon the homeless, and if we actually remedied that portion. A lot of the the issues about property crime and everything else would actually go away. Would you believe in that? Yeah, I just, well, I don't. Yes, I, I do. I don't think we have a homeless problem. I think we have a, a, a severe addiction problem mm-hmm. that causes me- mental illness. We had a homeless problem. Like, if I you know, we talked about how the city's changed, we've always had a bit of a homeless problem. Okay, so so we're a, we're a very livable, almost twelve months a year outside. Um, location, um, we, we've you know we've always had a bit of a homeless transient population here. The problem I see now is the fact that it's 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 now being compounded by excessive drug use, mm-hmm. and that seems to be the challenge. You know, I don't think homeless per se are, are are the issue. It's that next level of homelessness, which is really when you look in someone's eyes and you can tell that they are they are not here. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to do anything um, to get 
a fix or to figure out what's next. That, that to me is the challenge that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, which has, has come up, you know, as you discussed with, 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 with the group of mayors, I am not in support of dismantling the RCMP. I don't think that's the problem. I don't doubt there's some challenges that need to get better. I'm not, we should always look and get better. But I don't think you're going to dismantle the RCMP, put it in a provincial police force, and think, oh, look at everything's perfect. No, that's, that's empower them to do the right thing. You and I have talked about this before. You, 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 you've discussed on many fronts. If, you're, if the, the RCMP talk regularly about how they can arrest someone and that person's back on the street before they've finished the paperwork to actually put to, to, for, the, for the actual arrest, like mm -hmm. how, if that was your job, You'd, you'd feel fairly defeated, wouldn't you? And that's, yeah. you know, let's, again, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, uh, there's the extreme of it, this, this, this woke socialist idea that like these people have rights. Yeah, you're right. They do. They're human beings and, and we should be compassionate towards them. But, uh, and, and should they go to jail? Well, at a certain point they should, but if they're it, leaving them on the street is not the answer, right? No. So, so, uh, you know, mandated addiction facility, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months, a year. You know, I don't know at what point you go three strikes and you're in jail. Like, mm -hmm. at what, at, at just at what point is enough enough? You know, at what point do, do pro prolific offenders, do we just say, you're not part of society anymore? And I actually think it'd be cheaper. <laughs> I really do. And some people are advocating, of course, dismantling the RCMP and that kind of thing. Where, where does that stem from? Like, where, where do you think that that stems from as far as... Uh, um, people even suggesting that, and, and again, you know, this is all about opinions and thoughts and, and more perspectives, but is there, why would anyone in a rational mind think that that's a good idea? They're fed up? I, I, yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, they, they are looking to blame, um, for, for things that are not being accomplished. So, so look at who's supposed to be doing the enforcement and, and we have municipal police forces that exist in Small towns like Nelson has a municipal police force here mm -hmm. here in British Columbia. Surrey is moving that direction. There's a VPD. You know, there's transit police in Vancouver. There, there's there are there are municipal police forces that exist, and so you may be able to look at them and say, well, that's a better model. I have not been able to see the differences. I mean, the RCMP I, I think is going to be faced with any challenge of a of an organization that's been around as long as it has. It's going to have some systemic problems, right? It's it's no different than anybody else. If, if you've been around for 100 plus years, you're going to be faced with things um, like, you know, racism and sexualization and other things and other challenges that they've had. I don't think they're unique to the RCMP. Do we want to hold them to a better standard? Maybe. But I think they have a lot of pros. Um, you know, the fact they can share information right across the country would be, would be one example. It, it is. And, and do you think that they are... Um do you think that there's a, a direct line that uh, the municipality has with the RCMP? Like, do you think, you know, uh, uh, the mayor and the, and the council can can call up uh, officer in charge and say, listen, these are some areas of concern? Like, do you think that there's that that line of communication? It sounds like not based on what we're hearing, but I, I like a. Like again, there. Why? Why would not fix that line of communication mm -hmm. rather than dismantle them? Right. Like, surely we can use some common sense to say, hey, you know, our our council in some form, whether it's Colin or 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 someone appointed the council can can call care and say, we have some challenges we want to discuss with you today, tomorrow, this week. We need to talk about future planning. I assume that exists on some front. I know it does because I 
I've heard them together mm-hmm. um, speaking. Um, but that has been the, the pushback, right, is that we don't have enough, you know, municipal say in what goes on. And um, there's been lots of counters to that argument too, right, from the RCMP saying, no, that's not true. Um, here's the process we go through. Mm-hmm. But I would assume like everything run by government, it's bureaucratic and probably moves slowly and doesn't work very well, you know. <laughs> Because hold on, are you <laughs> saying the government doesn't work that well? <laughs> okay, so we're gonna <laughs> you and I can go down a bunch of different rabbit holes, but how cool is the district uh, that's growing with this microbreweries and and uh, around Ellis Street? Like, I mean, it, it it's got a great little vibe down there. I did the uh, the Sunshine uh, Bike Tours where you get on the bike and and roll around and. And I, I was shocked at how many exist down there. Have you been down there at all? Like just even just seeing the the amount of activity down there? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, the the what is changing the North End hopefully is the start of something um, world class. In fact, I, I think we're already moving in that direction. I, you can start there and work your way all the way down. You know, so go from Knox Mountain and work your way down. I would argue to the El Dorado now or along the lakefront. I mean, you know, you go through some residential areas, but. With the bike paths and walkways and accesses to beach, um, access to the beach, it's 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 it is phenomenal through there. You talked about the change in the city. Um, you know that South Pandera, South Pandosi area was not overly sought after for you know much of the 80s and early 90s. It, it was a lot of rentals. It was a lot of rundown areas. It's totally been uh, revived. Um, the North End is appearing to do the same thing. These are positives for the city, um, and and we need to get the roadblocks out of the way to continue doing it. Right? This is this is what will build sustainable sustainable cities. Stops the urban sprawl. Again, we talked about when you go back to it, when you have mm-hmm. when you are when you are, have high density like that, and people have easy access to food, groceries, you know, a place to have a beer place to have a coffee it keeps them living in their um in their neighborhoods so do you think that could be a more of a mandate going forward because there is certain pockets like i mean crawford is is one i think of uh the upper mission is another one where you almost do you start building and this might be a question more for some of the planners but but really pushing for that commercialization so that you have those hubs that exist in places like vancouver like in north vancouver I know that my aunt and uncle have a place where they go for groceries and flowers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, and they don't have to go anywhere else because it's all within a certain 15-block area. And arguably, Calgary is the same way. You know, you think of um, Cranston in the southeast or, mm-hmm. or Mackenzie Town or go, through, go, go, go to any of those kind of destination livable areas. They, ha- they all have a minimum of one, maybe two grocery stores depending on the size places to have a coffee, they typically have one or two restaurants, a place to have a beer. It's something to be considered. And I, and I would say, yeah, okay, you can say Crawford or Kettle Valley, but like we should be doing it everywhere, right? Like, And, and even Wilden to a certain extent. Like, I mean, sure. there, there, there's pockets of, of areas where, you know, I, I just, I don't see it where you do eventually have to travel somewhere. But we got to get away from this idea that a grocery store has to be a destination and that it has to have 
you know, 500 parking spots and it has to be 100,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, a grocery store in Vancouver, as an example, if you get right down to the core of Vancouver, is found in in the main level of many high rises, right? Mm -hmm. And and it tends to be different names than, than we see. So it's the IGAs or or the urban markets that exist, you know, they can be independents. There, there are so many ways to do it differently. And I think that, that you know, when you talk about um, reducing carbon footprint, make a grocery store walkable. Mm, I yeah. don't, I don't want to drive. I, I mean, for the majority, listen, we all, we all, well, not all of us. I personally, sure, go to Costco or do a big run or do whatever every couple of weeks. But the majority of my groceries are in and out, right? Two bags. Yeah. If it was, if it was, if it was, if you could access that by walking, which which really means I can I can almost see it within mm-hmm. you know call it call it 500 meters, probably probably a kilometer for most people is the max. Um, how how many people would not turn the key in their car over? Oh, quite a few, right? Yeah, and 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 right then and there, we're probably bringing down the traffic counts uh, considerably. Yeah. So Jeff, we were just chatting about placing grocery stores and and various like commercializing areas that have the the population, the density. Why, and that being said, why does it seem to be that we cannot get Vancouver has Uber, Whistler has Uber, or Lyft, whatever, but why can't we just seem to push through and get, get this car sharing, which seems to transform any city they're in? Apparently, we do have a ride-hailing app. I, I apologize. I don't know the name. It did launch. Oh, you ride, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, you ride. But the reality is regulation. And this is the same old crap that has existed forever. So so we have a great new technology that exists that, yes, has some challenges. Um, but the world's figured out. And our provincial government has slapped so much restriction on it. They can't make it viable in a city that that arguably has a couple hundred thousand people or a valley that has a couple hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. We regulate things to death, and mm-hmm. and this is a class example of it. to protect. Like, and this gets into you know I, again I I'm bought. There is a socialist level of Canada that I that I agree with. There are certain things in Canada that I'm proud to be Canadian on. That is not one of them. Like mm-hmm. the fatigue of of regulation around right come on like it doesn't you, you know i and i'm and i am I, for work i travel i'm great i'm I, you know uh, lifestyle wise i travel quite regularly we have got it so backwards it's it's really hard to explain to people that have not been outside the bubble to say no no this really works and it works really well and it's worked for a decade in places like california right i mean if you go to san francisco which don't get me wrong has its own challenges oh yeah it does but when you watch, you know, where, where it, is, it is arguably the birthplace of, of tech right now, when you go down there and you used, when I used Uber for the first time, whatever it was, seven or eight years ago, I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you go, this is unbelievable, right? Oh, oh, no, it was chilled water. It was uh, on the app. It shows you where the Uber driver oh. is coming from. Like, I mean, this is next level stuff versus standing on a street corner for an hour waiting for a cab. And and don't give me. I'm not trying to disparage cabs because they they you know they have moved along greatly since Uber's been introduced. But still, 
still slow in, in a lot of areas. But, but Rick, they moved along because they had competition. And, and you know, the, the one argument that always frustrated me about Uber was this, this component of safety. Mm-hmm. And I would argue to anyone that says, well, I'm concerned about the safety of Uber is go take a cab in Mississauga. Mm. Like actually go to Mississauga and take a cab at 11 o'clock at night and try and get from the, the airport hotel you're staying in to catch a flight. And tell me that Uber is less safe than that disaster. Because honestly, like, like there are, there, it's, it's not like our, we've held, held cabs to this exceptionally high standard of deliverables. I think from a safety standpoint, there's an argument there. But again, Uber has, Uber has actually has these mandates to say, your car must be of this age, it has to be mm-hmm. of this make, this mm-hmm. is what it has to look like. Like they, they, self-policing works. What do you know? And and rating people on both sides. Right. Who knew? How, hey, hard to I'm, believe. I'm, I'm always judging people. Like, always. Have you ever not taken an Uber, though? Because, like, oh, this guy's got a 4.2 right now. You're like, eh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it works. So just so if anyone's listening, bring an Uber. Thank you. Okay, so we've we've come to uh, a fork in the road, one could say. We're... Uh, we're in spring 2022. Um, did we learn anything, or do you think we were able to pull anything from and take away COVID-19? But have we learned anything about a potential pandemic? Like, because there might be a, there there will be others probably. Have we learned anything? Have we pulled anything from the world where we said? Geez, I, I think we learned something from this, and we're gonna we're gonna try it. <laughs> we're gonna try and do it differently next time. Like, do you think we've got that perspective, or do you think it's just gonna be the same thing? It's gonna be personal perspective. I, I, you know, here's the. I would say here's the biggest challenge. If we did have a serious pandemic tomorrow, the biggest challenge we would have is getting people bought in that it's serious. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you and I have been critics so, because that, because we live in a democracy and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, if you have a voice, you're supposed to be critical of what's going on. And we're, we were trying to make them better. Uh, but not come out here as a, as a conspiracy yep. that we've not been extreme. We've said, hey, listen, like maybe we need to look at some things mm-hmm. and taking some pretty serious heat for it. And, and I would say that's the biggest concern is, is because of, because of the, some of the, processes and policies and procedures that were put in place the biggest concern now is if we did have a real serious pandemic tomorrow um, it would be utter chaos so you, you've probably got a generation before before you could do what we just did again mm-hmm. so that 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 that's concerning it, it is concerning and, and you know and, and I'll I'll beat this drum until until uh, I don't have a drum anymore but one of the things that that always did bother me was was the unspoken data was the um, was the damage being made mental health uh, abuse alcoholism I mean the cannabis stores and and the liquor stores stayed open the gyms are shut down like I mean uh, those are things that continue and and we'll still con- continue to see the ripples of those as we go further because. You know, when when I heard anecdotally, a high school uh, counselor said, "I've never seen so many um, people talking about suicide as that time because of because of the loneliness, because of that not feeling engaged." And and those were the things that really bothered me from the first days in middle and and near the 
supposed end, which, you know, you could technically say we're still in it. But those are some of the things that really bothered me. We robbed kids and teenagers of, of two solid years of their lives when it was very clear uh, quite a while ago that, that, that they had little or no concern um, for getting it. You know, like, mm-hmm. and again, I, there's teachers involved and, and, and that doesn't apply to everybody. And unfortunately, in today's world, it's, it's we, we, we will continue to pander to the 1%, although, although it, it, it's the 1%. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the challenge. I mean, we, we took it, like, I mean, you, you imagine um, if you were an elite athlete at 16 years old in March of 2020, and mm. you just watched whatever opportunity you had to maybe get a scholarship or, or play a collegiate sport, gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we derailed, again, a couple generations of, of children, and we've taught them to live in this extreme fear. And it's going to take us a long time to to try and to try and you know get them out of it, mm-hmm. and it's obvious. Oh no, it's it's uh, it's true, and it's it's sad. And and again, I got to hand it to I I heard such amazing, inspiring stories of, of parents who made the bubble fun. <laughs> that even sounds weird to say, but they actually were doing the right things of of, of really trying to reimagine imagination for a lot of kids, and it was it was pretty cool to see. Anyway. And uh, again, it's a, it's a part of the old uh, Rick and Friends show that I like to bring out, which is the Base Camp Card Company and a local gal who went on Dragon's Den. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a conversation starter. So for you, Jeff, I've got a question for you. I know what mine is, so I'm going to find out what yours is. What's your pet peeve? What makes you <laughs> irritated? When someone texts me the letter K. And they respond with a K, especially if they're close to me. They're, and I say, blah, 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 and they go, K. And I go, I'm going to punch my phone. That's my pet peeve. But uh, time is, is so valuable. So and, type, and if you, type OK then. But I mean, that O, that, I mean, you could learn another language we have during that text. time. No, I can't. Hey, that's that's it for me. So I'm I'm a what I consider to be a laid back person, and uh, when I'm driving down Benvolen, <laughs> and somebody is driving alongside someone else in the right hand lane on the left hand side, and again I'm not I'm not the slowest driver. I'm not spirited. I'm somewhere in the middle, but I love flow. Like I love flow, and if I'm staring at a bumper for a long time. I can feel uh, temples throbbing and I can just feel the tension. And I swear if I had a push bar on my vehicle and I was allowed to use it, I probably would. Like it, it drives me insane. Like it just, and I'm, I'm looking at my passengers going, do you share this, this, this reckoning? And they're like, not really. Like, no, we'll get there when we get, it saves you what, eight seconds? And I'm like, but that's eight seconds. I'm going to write a book one day. I've already got a title for it. It's called The Courtesy Flush. Mm. This might be too aggressive. No, for no, show. I don't give know. her. And the deal is, is it's going to be the, the, just the standard things in life that you're, if you're a male, sorry, I, yeah. probably too well, well, uh, well, not woke enough or whatever. But that, okay, so here's the deal. If you're a male, a yeah. your dad was supposed to teach you a whole bunch of things that, that you can't read in a book. True. I'm going to write them down. And one of them is, pull over to the right. Mm-hmm. To, if you're, you know what I mean. Don't don't block traffic. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. It's not about. I'm not a speeder either per se, but it's just flow. It's it's. So, uh, chapter two: How to drive. Yeah. Right. I'm with you. 
And the one thing, and while we're on this subject, and this is this is worthy of us chatting about this again, but I do think if you're eating at someone's house, and and this is something I've like I I literally my kids know this. If you're eating at someone's house, you offer to get up and clear the plates. Yeah, of course. Like you, you need to do that. And and anyone who sits there, and I've I've been in places, <laughs> and they sit there and just like that also is a pet peeve because yeah, yeah. I'm like, are anything else, sire? Like anything else, your grace? Like I mean, it's it just feels like that. But I was brought up in the prairies where you you get your butt off the chair and you offer to clean. Grab the dishes, do something so it doesn't appear like you will have never eaten out at someone's yeah, place you don't, before. Yeah, you don't have to be born on the prairies to have that installed in you. And then the sub-counter of that is the host is, you know, no, 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 no. Just yeah, for, yeah, for like, yeah. And then you move a couple of plates and you show that you're doing something. Yeah, and, like yeah. just clear a, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. just common courtesy. Okay. Uh, flushing, what's it called? Flushing? The courtesy card? flush. Okay. The courtesy flush. So, Kelowna, we, we have a, a couple of different things looming on the horizon. One is uh, we have a real estate, you know, well, growth, and, and people are selling off the rental homes. And, and that's created a ripple tide, which is on the, the labor front. So, do you think, in your eyes, Jeff, that we should probably start thinking about a recruitment program? Uh, should we, and, and again, I'm not saying we don't have those in place, but, but are we going fast enough in recruiting young talent to the Valley to replace, because it seems like everywhere I go, I was at McCullough station and I walked outside all positions available apply inside. <laughs> like it wasn't even like one or two. It was like, no, anywhere you want to work. Right. My son works at Petrocan. Uh, he's he gets about two or three job offers a week because he's kind, he's courteous. Well, I'm proud of him, but but he just keeps getting these these offers and and some twenty seven to thirty dollars an hour offers. Yeah, like is that are are we getting to a point where we really need to do a full court press on getting some some people into the valley for that? I mean, the short yes, obviously. The question is, how do we create sustainability? So if you come here and feel um, that this that you just can't, I, I ran into a, an old friend yesterday uh, who is a teacher and has this week purchased a house in Lethbridge and is going to move. And and I said, cost, I just looked and said cost of living. Yeah, of course. There's no, I, I mean, we, we've got to figure out how we're going to allow that low to middle income family live in this city i i i don't i we i had this conversation with someone else like i you know in in if i go back to the 80s i was born in 1980 go through the 80s um i had a lot at that time hall road hall road was the Mm -hmm. was the neighborhood right yeah you had on the same street a family whose dad worked at the mill and mom worked at a bank um uh right beside um a doctor and that was the interaction well the doctor can still live there, the mill worker and bank worker cannot. And and that is the challenge that we're going to have that I don't think is going to be fixed by higher wages. It's it's there you can't buy a house here at $30 an hour. It I mean get pretty close but it's it's not mm-hmm. it, it's not it's again it's not in the days of of you know getting a detached home in Hall Road in the 80s which which was a very viable opportunity in that in that era, right? Mm-hmm. 
and maybe this is evolution. Maybe, maybe, maybe that has surpassed us. But if we're going to make changes and we're going to create sustainability, we got to get way more creative. I would go specific. Well, I think one of the biggest challenges um, that the whole country faces right now is our healthcare system is a disaster. Um, but if we looked and said, okay, how do we attract doctors? How do we get doctors to stay in Canada, let alone British Columbia or the Valley? Well, where do you want to stop and start? Let, I mean, what would it cost us to pay for their education with the hook that they can't cross the border and go to the U.S. today that mm. they graduate? Mm-hmm. Why not say, hey, listen, you give up, we'll pay for your education. You're going to give us 10 years of service. And of that 10 years of service, we'll give you three options in a rural setting for three years. We'll give you, th- we'll give you three options in a, in, a, in a midtown setting for three years. And then, and then you can move to, to, to a metropolitan area if that's what you so chose. And again, if you're willing to do you know, six years or nine years in a, in a rural setting, maybe it gives you, maybe, 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 maybe at the end of it, you have, you have you know, better options than if you were to go three, three, three. The other thing is we've, we've taken away every, ins- like again, doctors are a great example. I mean, and, uh, but like here's here, the, the one I was, example I would do is, why would we eliminate income splitting for doctors, as an example? Mm. I'm not sure why did we eliminate income splitting for any business owner. If you know a business owner, you mm-hmm. are one, I am one. Um, my wife plays an integral role in our household. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and can't work because she takes care right now of a ten month old. And 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 I but but there's no no one's I leave the house at six AM. I'm I will come back in the house at some time around dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And on certain days I get home and, and we have open lines of communication. But what why to go back to the dark thing, why why would we eliminate income splitting? Why would we not allow why would we not be creating incentives, tax incentives to say, hey, stay here and do this? Instead we close that door? Like I And and it wasn't with a lot of um uh notice either, because a lot of those doctors were heading towards retirement and the goalposts change yep. midstream, and all of a sudden now they have a completely different financial criteria they have to hit in order to retire retire well. And again, I I have such absolute respect for people in the medical field. I mean, long hours, not like for what they do, not great pay. And and again, we're losing we're losing some people to other provinces because they've realized. If we don't have that structure, that infrastructure for medical side, we don't really have a populace that's going to be sticking around. Because as we all age, we talked about it off the top, you need more of that. Yeah. And I was just thinking about this. We have a labor shortage. Do you think, I mean, obviously the needle is is really swayed towards employees. And, and I think they have more power these days than they've ever had. And along with that, but... Is this hourly wage, this minimum wage thing, is that pushing a lot of people out of business? Do you think? Yes, but it's not just it's not it's not just minimum wage. It's the compiling of what's happened over the past in this province alone over the past five years since the NDP have taken power. So, okay, minimum wage creeps creeps to fifteen dollars an hour. I I'm not again. I would love for somebody to justify me a fifteen or sixteen year old that is clearing 
plates at Earl's or scrubbing clubs at a golf course that needs to make that wage. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not against living wages for the record. I'm just not sure that it needs to be a blanket policy. So you're a business owner, run a small business, and now you've got to pay entry level jobs to someone who, who arguably may or may not have the skills to work there, but you've got to take the risk on them mm -hmm. and train them. I mean, everybody, I go back to my first job. You know how many lessons I learned my first job? Almost everything that applies today, I learned my first job. Right, and, and and you bring up a good point. One and one doesn't make two, and especially when it comes to another employee, where that person has to generate more than their income right. in order to make that viable for the business. And I think a lot of times they don't. Right. They really don't. So then, then on top of that, we were hit as as a and and they're very you know if you have under half a million dollars of payroll, I don't think you pay anything today. But then it starts where where you have to pay premium tax now to cover what was the old MSP premium payments. And for the record, we paid those, we used to pay those and we have our employees before. So you'd say, oh, you're net neutral, not even close. It was a significant, significant bump after that change was made. Um, so again, that we just, let's compile that on. Um, the great Dr. Bonnie Henry decided that she was going to hand out sick days. Mm -hmm. um, and if you actually get into the manipulation of, of how these could work. Um, it's just another piece of the pie that was thrown on there. Um, Mr. Trudeau has decided that he, that we should be funding CPP and OAS um, at, a, at, a, at a higher bracket. Well, that's also on top of uh, everything else we just talked about. I mean, at what point does, does do we hit a breaking point? You know, uh, we are not promoting people to be entrepreneurs and start businesses. We're actually doing everything um, in our power to try and stop them from going out and being better. I, I, I'm, I'm listening, even pro progressive taxes, when is enough enough? Oh, if you make more money, you know, you now, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, depending on, on what institute you're looking at, but, you know, some right-leaning institutes say that you're paying with, when you get into goods and services tax and everything else, um, gas, you know, tax on energy, you know, you're paying upwards of 60% of your income in taxes. So, but no factor in Rick works 80 hours a week or, or like they just, every, there just seems to be the assumption by government that if you make X amount of dollars, um, you didn't work for it. You know, you're, you're just that 1%. You're lucky. You're lucky. You're lucky. You, you I were, love that one. it was handed to you, right? <laughs> Uh, and again, we, we, with no, it's just this very, and it's very Canadian based. That's not an American policy at all. If you, you talk to people that had success in America, you talk to people about people that are successful in America, they say, that guy's a hard worker. Mm -hmm. Here, you're evil. Mm -hmm. And I, where, where that was created, like I would love to go back to whoever started this, 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 another wokeness, right? These woke folks. And, CBC. Yeah, it would definitely was. <laughs> For sure, it was CBC. <laughs> Rosemary Barton. For sure started. <laughs> So, Jeff, I want to chat a bit about that little learning institution uh, close to the airport. And do you have much interaction or do you have much, I don't know, uh, OUC and, and the fact that it, it it's really not OUC, sorry. Well, that's a bad one. <laughs> UBC. Um, is that is that been something that you think is just absolutely grown and and really given us a, a shot of life like for a university of that caliber to be in the okanagan like is that has that been the next level for Kelowna? like do you think we got our big boy pants when that happened or big girl pants 
I think it helped. Um, I don't think it it makes a lot of sense to me that it's out on an island on its own with with mm-hmm. you know no direct. Again, like you want to talk about the place first place you could run a train, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, holy man, could you imagine if we started at the airport, stopped at UBC, and then came the came down the backside of Dilworth to downtown? Again, if you're talking about progressive planning in the city, that'd be kind of factor one for me. I would love to see them have a have a more urban campus. So. Um, you know, I'd love to see them move towards downtown in some form. I think that's been talked well, about. Well, the Doyle, the Doyle right. is, is happening. Right. Yep. And, and so when, when, when we start to see more engagement with, um, the community, I think it'll, it'll get us there. I think right now it's, uh, still on a bit of an island on its own. I, I would argue the college has done a better job since the split mm-hmm. at, um, engagement, um, but I, but I'm a college dropout. So what do I know? I'm, I'm not, like I'm not a I'm I'm by no means an academic. So um. well, it it is true though, and and that's an interesting part of this is the fact that it does feel like it's on an island out there because uh, unless you go there, and and I do urge people to go because I mean you'll be shocked at how built out it is with residences and and with different uh, new buildings, and and again I I'm. I've haven't spent as much time on the campus as I would like, but I mean that that does generate. It's a huge economic driver for this valley. It's a huge economic driver, but to your point, it's not engaged by most people other than the students that attend there. Right. And I think that's where we have suffered um, in comparison to to if you go to the East Coast, where or even into you know even into Ontario, where um, they've had much more engagement around around you know university life right mm-hmm. uh versus versus the west um and i'm gonna you know our ubc is a little different but i you like the traditional ubc would be a little bit different but we don't have that engagement that they do if you're in a town like waterloo and even that is well short of what exists if you're in the u.s and you understand how a u.s university or college can 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 really uh, affect or change a town. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure we're there, to, to be sincere. I'm not opposed to it. Listen, f- for for continuing education. Um, but if we go back to the segment earlier, we talked about minimum wage. You know, listen, I'm all for universities. I think, um, you know, they, they, they're going to produce our, our next great bureaucracy leaders. Um, <laughs> what we should be focusing on, um, and we want to talk about, about day-to-day, is more community colleges. To Why aren't we training... Uh, we, we should, if you want to talk about how to get, you know, how to make sustainable living, we should be training people in, in trades. We should be training and, and we're doing a good job. The Okanagan College is doing a very good job, but, but it doesn't have to be construction or a mechanic. There are so many levels of trades that you don't, you know, we don't need to, we, we just need people to enroll and, and get them, um, get them some education so they can start working for a wage that doesn't start at $15 an hour. Uh, sorry, I, I, I agree. Listen, UBC is a big part of the city. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm not, I sound, but, I, but to shift to go back to what we're talking about, that's what we need. We should be looking at government-funded community colleges to get people some skills um, to, get, to get them working. This is what happens when two college people start chatting. <laughs> How about the worst job in the world? Let's talk about that. This this guy now well, I, I don't know Rick and friends <laughs> yeah maybe that's it <laughs> but this guy actually has to predict the future and and basically keep everybody happy which is I think an impossible task and that's the guy that controls the flow 
from Okanagan Lake. Like he he's got his hand on the switch. I think his name's Reimer. It could be Sean Reimer. Anyway, uh, what's his name here? Ministry of Forest Lands and Natural Resource Operations Section Head for Public Safety Protection, <laughs> Sean Reimer. Um, he's got like this spring is no like it, it was dry. Now it's it appears like there's lots of water. So he's screwed no matter what. <laughs> like really. <laughs> He's got nowhere to go. Yeah. Like, I I can't imagine the amount of hate mail he gets because, you know, as you know, the the piers and the docks have, have gone through a, multiple floods. Yep. And it seems like it's a cycle. And if it's too low, you can't boat, and then you're mad at him for that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and you know, yeah. I, 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 it's amazing that it's on one guy's back. That's what I know. Like. I know. Like, he's got his hand on the switch. Surely there's a few behind him. No, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I mean, other than cleaning public restrooms uh, around City Park, I can't imagine a worse position. I, like, I think this is what we've got to get our, our handle around. I was in California a month ago, and uh, where I was, there are water markings on this rock from 100 million years ago. Mm-hmm. And there, there are two football fields above, above me where I was standing. I think what we've got to realize is that we're not in control. Like, we, we build... We build multi-million dollar homes and buildings 35 feet from a lake and then go can you believe it's flooded i mean it it's right like you you go back to new orleans and why when 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 the when the when they had the flooding in new orleans um Mm -hmm. um when the levees broke um the 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 one area that that wasn't actually flooded was the french quarter and the french quarter wasn't flooded because 500 years ago when it was built they actually had the foresight to realize that that was high ground Mm. like we we we've lost our way like this we are not in control of mother nature now we can blame gasoline sure i'm i'm not denying that i mean we are we are definitely probably part of the climate change problem but if you go back um on 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 earth for hundreds of millions of years. This has happened a few times. So it's bound to happen again. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't because dinosaurs were, were driving cars. And and this is my point. Like we, you can't put it on, how dare you not have perfect conditions on our lake year in and year out? You're gonna be like phoning Michael Volleyball and saying, how do, how do you not have perfect snow? I, <laughs> we gotta get away from this idea that we're in control. But if you tax it though, uh, the government will fix the government will fix the climate, yeah, that's which working be... out well, right? <laughs> taxes. This idea that taxes lower emissions is mind blowing to me. And what is crazy is the people that are bought into it that are like, "Well, you know, it's time for us to pay. Pay for what? Pay for what? I was I I you know, I have a we have a prime minister that flies a PJ back and forth across this country." Like I go to Starbucks and I'm I'm the evil person. Like I mean, it's just this. We've lost total sight of of what we're trying to do. I love it that he brought 200 plus delegates to the World Climate Conference in Scotland. Right. Like that. That to me was the ultimate hypocrisy. Took so. a, took took a weekend trip to Ukraine <laughs> this weekend, literally. Right. Yeah. I, I wake up this morning to find out he shook hands with Zelensky, which. I'm I'm in support of. Don't get me wrong, but like he runs around like, 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 like he literally runs everywhere, 
And and he he they just it's it's do as I say, not as I do, and it's getting extremely fatigued. I mean, there were there was there was an article the Toronto Sun run not 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 too long ago that said, um, go, what's his what's his what, who's in charge of the of uh, Stephen Gobert is that his name right now? He's the or he's the environment minister. Oh yeah, he's a yeah. criminal, right? He used to lock yeah. himself to gas stations. Yeah, he no, and seriously though he is. So he he. He logs three, on average, 3,000. This is a guy that said he never owned a car, used to lock himself to gas stations, criminal, now logs 3,000 kilometers on average a month in, a, in an SUV with a driver. Right. And then justifies it to say, well, it was, it's COVID related. What the? <laughs> well, and I think when, when I've watched any kind of coverage on the, again, there's that word hypocrisy. People say, you know what, probably stomach it a lot more if, if just, you know, don't, don't stand there and tell us something when you go and do something else. That's, that's all it is. Like, should we, you know, we should all be mindful. But if you're telling us in no uncertain terms that we can't do what you're currently doing exponentially, I think that's when people get a little bit tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how about this one? Why? Why? So, have you ever looked about you? Maybe you drive. Do you drive an EV? Mm-hmm. You do drive an EV? No, no. Sorry, oh. I have a motorcycle okay. and an e-bike. Okay, I looked at buying an EV. I don't know, not too long ago, mm-hmm. and something piqued my. Oh, I know what it was. That there's a that you can get a tax credit. My like, oh, get a discount, right? Well, go, just do a little research on what that applies to because it doesn't apply to anything you want to buy. If you want to buy a Nissan Leaf, then you can get the tax credit. But as soon as you get up into like a Model 3 Tesla, which, and believe me, I like Elon Musk, but it's a Corolla that doesn't, mm-hmm. that, that, that's an electric vehicle, the tax credit doesn't apply. Well, what, why? Like I just, what's the, like I thought we're saving the environment. Like yeah. what, who cares if I spend, I can't, but let's say like if I wanted to buy a $200,000 EV, I don't even know if they exist, why wouldn't I get the tax credit? That's, this is the part to me that's mind-blowing, and this is the part where we all go, this is a load of crap, is because they pick and choose how they want to send the message and when they want to apply the message, and it never applies to them. Mm. And, th- and that's the part that I think we all just go, eh, no thanks. That was a fun one on climate change. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move along here a little bit. What Question, back to the base camp, uh, base camp cards. What is the one thing you should know how to do by your age but still can't figure out? <laughs> What is that one thing? <laughs> I, I cannot follow instructions. Mm. Like I can't, I, I, you know when the box hits the front door and mm-hmm. it's something for my child that I need to put together, you know? I can't do it. I, and I don't know what it is. And I like, I've learned to be patient. So I'm like, I don't, short, I try not to, like before I used to absolutely short circuit. That's, that's less so. I can't follow instructions. I just can't. And and I and I again I will go back, but for whatever reason, and then I can hand it to my dad as an example and and no problems at all. But mm-hmm. I don't know what it is for me. I can't But but further to that, so 2003 house burned down, 2005 were and literally just so you know if your house burns down, you got to buy your toaster, your microwave, like all this stuff again. And it was actually very um, interesting. Now, when I get something new, I can't stand taking it out of a package and reading the instruction manual because 
I'm fatigued by that because I had to buy everything at once. And I find that odd that I still carry that to this day. If, if there's any kind of PTSD from that, it would be from having to learn how to do everything again with electronics. Yeah. Like consumer electronics, I cannot stand how to, like, I cannot, I won't, the, the, I have no patience. I think the fatiguing thing about it is, though, depending on the company, some of them are so, I, I mean, I, I will give Apple credit. I mean, have you ever read a manual for an iPhone? Oh, love it. Because it doesn't have one. And that's yeah. and that's my point. That's in, the beauty. In, intuitive technology um, we we use and, and we enjoy, right? It's when you it's when you get a Microsoft product oh, that, that yeah. you know, you just go, what? Like uh, and again I think that's just I what yeah, I I you're back. you're right. Instructions are 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 to me one of one of the biggest challenges, and that is one of the beauties of, of Steve Jobs. And I've I've read uh, biographies on him. Not not a nice person, we can all agree, but but a like a a creative mind. And and I think it would be like if somebody designed. Uh, and there's a hotel in in New York. The name will come to me. It was designed by an architect, not a builder. And and to me, Microsoft is built by analytic people. And Apple was built by design and, and uh, you know, free thinkers, open source technology, a whole bunch of other things. But for me, it just seems like they had that that art to it. And, and Microsoft is more the science. Like for it to show up, this supercomputer without an instruction booklet right. was genius. Because it felt like, to me... Oh, they've assumed I know how to work this, which, and the intuitive part is a good point. Yeah. And I, I had, you know what? Big clap for, for Apple products. I think the thing too is you actually read the instruct, you, maybe you read the instructions of a good product, but the reality is you don't find your, they, you, you do what it says and you, and, and it comes together and off you go and you don't think twice about it. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's the ones where you're like, hang on a second. I am following this to the T and this isn't working. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know what, maybe it's not that I can't read instructions. Maybe it's just bad products. I, you know what, I think we should blame shift here. Yeah. And uh, do you do you have a boat? Yes. Okay. Do you have more friends because you have a boat? <laughs> Good question. More friends? Because like, honestly, in the Okanagan, we do have to know someone either with a boat or access to the boat. Yeah. Right. Do you enjoy, like, are you one of those people that goes to different beaches along the lake and, and camps out with the kids and all that kind of stuff, or no, just leave I'm, that? I'm a surfer. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking for somewhat glassy water with minimal minimal other boats. Yeah. And uh, and I let, we like to go and then and then essentially get up. I, I, we relax on it, too, on a... On a on a on a weekend, but I'm not a I'm not I don't I'm you know I'm not I'm not um, sourcing out a hidden camp spot or anything like that. If anything, we're we drop an anchor by gyro and yeah. and, and and you know just enjoy the enjoy the hustle and bustle and I, I I would say the two times when I feel most grateful, well, there's multiple times that I live here, is just sitting on the water, and then the other one is uh, getting an apple off of the harvest. Like just eating oh, yeah, an apple yeah, yeah. while you're playing golf, like it just. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, something here that doesn't exist other places that I well, I call summer sky. So it's like when the sun sets here. It's it's about in the middle of summer. It's about 
10 o'clock when it's still bright behind the mountains, but it's, but it's, that, but it's like dark above mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. when it's clear. It's a hard, it's only here that I, that, that you see it. I know it's just, it's, I yeah. don't, that, I, that, that for me is that, that moment. You know, the boating stuff, um, kind of more serious for a sec. I do struggle that locals are held to a higher standard than tourists. And here's the deal. I don't want to see, I think t- tourism is a core part of this business, but over the past couple of years, it's been more and more clear to me the amount of tourists behind the wheel of a boat that don't know what they're doing. Mm. And the challenge is that... Um, that creates. That creates. <laughs> well, that was supposed to be a fun segment. No, no. And but, we no, can, but, no but honestly, though, I was going up to uh, Lake Okanagan Resort yep. with my boat. And, and and don't get me wrong. I I, I like to think I'm a good driver. I've, I've driven semi-trailers to, to tractors. I, I can drive just about anything the boat is the most vexing yep. of, of all those machines the boat is counterintuitive for a lot of things i'm driving up and a fellow who just rented a boat is trying to figure out um so forward is forward and backward is backward now if you had a boat for a while you know that's true but he was actually struggling with that yep. that aspect and and no like i'm not trying to throw rocks here but that was scary because he's about to, to go off on a $100,000 boat yep. and just that has ample horsepower. Anyway, you got a good point. It's a, it's, it's a, I, and I understand it's changing a little bit, but, but I find it odd that we're, we're held to a different standard. You know, if, if, if I got pulled over and somebody that didn't have a license was driving my boat, which would never happen, but let's say it did, um, would there be, there'd be, you know, big heck to pay. But 14 tourists, can jump on a boat and and be gone pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, and not understand how to use it, not understand the rules of, of the lake, uh, where to slow down, what to watch for, people in the water. And, and as you can see and hear, more here, um, short attention spans, hey? Like short was, as... <laughs> like I was we're... just thinking, thank God you can't see us. <laughs> Um, so speaking of short attention spans, uh, the scooters. Now, have you tried one of these scooters? The the ones you can whip around town in, like the the rent them and zip around. I listen. I have nothing. To, I I I have not tried them. And there's like ten parked outside of my house at all times. But I just for whatever reason I've never never actually got one. And I'm not like I like stuff like that. I don't know why I uh, I don't, but I don't. Because hmm. so. it's I remember the pushback last year. Yep. And, and remember the ER doctor said, like, yep. these are, it is wreaking havoc with people's bones and everything else. That seems to have quietened it a little bit, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, I think that, again, I'm, you know, once the once the initial, well, I mean, I guess we'll see in a month when the tourist season turns on. Yeah. Um, I think the the hype of it settles, right? People try them once and then, and then don't use them again. I, I do think there is a, there, I know people that use them instead of vehicles so so they, they you know they use them to get around mm-hmm. um i'm not a, i'm not a, I, I i think those are positive things right we're creating creating alternate modes of transportation um but i have been on abbott when someone's near mist um you know on the bike path or on the sidewalk um but you know i think that exists no matter what right i mean the issue there is not the scooter it's the moron riding it and and, and and I think they could do that on a bicycle too. I, and that's and I, that's my point. Is like <laughs> an idiot's an idiot, right? Like, yeah. 
you know, bottom line. Right? <laughs> no, I think, uh, yeah, just uh, from from my standpoint, if people want less traffic, they want less congestion, they want all those things, then you're going to have to go outside the box and, and come up with new solutions. So I, I actually applaud the city for saying, listen, let's make it better. They've now installed uh, helmets with them yep. too. So I think all all for well and good, actually. Yeah, I mean, and it looks like you know I see. Um, I think it's Lime that's one of the, one of the mm-hmm. providers is, has has launched bikes because I see them kicking around my house now too. And that I think is a is a is the real play. What I, that was a misnomer of the city that that I never we never really got answers to is we had a bike program. It was super successful, um, and that went away to be replaced by scooters. No one really ever came to answer what happened there, um, but I'm glad to see the bikes back because again, I think it's a mode of transportation people are going to feel more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It's it's just easier. Um, and again, I don't think they're. Uh, I don't believe that these are. I think the odd local, like I said, uses it as modes of transportation. The reality is they're they're all they're all really driven by tourists. I'd love to know the data, um, but um, you can tell because you know in in the shoulder seasons when arguably you could be on them. They're not as busy, right? Mm-hmm. And frankly, you can spot a tourist from a mile away in this city, and, <laughs> and especially when they're riding a scooter or driving a boat. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to say, uh, enjoyed our time together, Jeff Cox. Always. We, we always do. Um, and, and what's uh, family, family? I didn't even ask about your family, and I, I feel awful for doing that. Family's good? My family's good. Yeah? yeah. Ten-month-old? Good. Got a ten-month-old. Okay. Guy's a madman. Starting to walk. I'm hardly keep up doing crawling, so walking's gonna be a whole other thing. Getting teeth. Yeah, it's it's um, life is good. Life life is good. You know, Kelowna's a good place to be from and it's a good place to live and and um, if we keep having these conversations we'll move the we'll move the needle forward for everybody. I think so. And I think that that's the key. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad to glad glad when I get the opportunity to come down here and talk. So thanks. Well, listen, it's uh, a lot of fun, and and uh, I I would say you're more of the data analytical guy, which uh, I truly appreciate because I I uh, I skim, I skim, and then and then I hopefully get interesting conversations, and that's that's honestly how how I hope to grow is I, I think when people travel or introduce new people into their life, they uh, they hopefully get a a bit more piece of them and I think that's great I think healthy discussion um, about anything is 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 good for society you know and we may not always agree although we do probably more than we disagree but there's lots of people that I like to have conversations with and I have a different opinion than them mm-hmm. you know it's the days that we put a put up a wall and say you're wrong mm-hmm. and, and I have no ability to listen to what you're saying I think is the challenge and I fear that's where our world's at right now so um, always open for healthy discussions. So. Well, and and two, like people say, oh, you're you're right wing or you're left of center or whatever it is, and and those are some of the things that we I, I think also too we should probably get away from labeling too because I I mean I am a capitalist for sure, but I have a capitalist with a conscience. Like there's uh, there's certain things I want to see the world get better at, and um, but I don't think there's any harm in 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 having a successful company, employing people, working hard, like all those things. So uh, there's my flag, I'm planting it. I like it. I'm with you. I mean, um, there's lots of things in this in this country that have us, I'm a capitalist obviously by nature too, but um, I, I, 
you know, here's an example. I, I mean, I arguably sell private health care for a living and believe in a socialist health care model, you know, and, and that's that's probably a really good example of, of, of where we are broken. You know, we don't have to have everything socialized and unionized in the healthcare model. What we need to do is ensure that every Canadian has free, accessible healthcare. Mm-hmm. That's actually what we're set out to do. That's the socialist component of this, is that you or your child or your cousin or whoever it is, no matter what their background, has access to equivalent healthcare. What we've got to realize is that the deliverables do not have to be run by every government at every level, right? There's other ways. There's other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we're down. Now we're down to another. Point. We don't have enough time for this. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll bring you. We'll bring you back in. Thanks, Jeff Cox.